I wonder what kind of person are you? If I'm going to say to you, it's going to rain tomorrow, what would your reaction be? Are you going to say, of course, it always rains in England, we should expect that? Or are you going to say, yay, I love rain. Let's put our our wellies, let's jump in puddles like Peppa Pig. One of my, I don't like rain. (laughs) One of my very, very favorite memories of our youngest, um, Ilinka, is when she was about 18 months old and we were living in Bristol and it was raining. Is my microphone working? And it was raining and raining and raining. And after three days of rain, I thought, I have to do something positive about this. I was on my own with that. I was tired. She hadn't slept. So I thought, okay, let's just put our waterproofs on. And then we went out and we jumped in puddles for about half an hour. And just my whole week changed. And actually, how we approach things does really matter. And I don't know whether, you know, half the glass, is your glass half full or half empty? Or maybe you're like, like me, switching between empty or full, depending on what's happened. Um, I, I discovered that I'm a positive person generally, but if it comes to things that really matter to me, and especially if it comes to people that matter to me, I tend to be half empty. And we all have natural predisposition in the way we approach life. Some people tend to see things optimistically, and some people are the opposite. And I just want to say, you know, those predispositions are absolutely normal. You are unique. You were created by God, this complex, intricate being. And God created you for a reason, and there is beauty in the way he created you. It doesn't matter if you tend to be more optimistic or more pessimistic. What really matters is understanding the role faith plays in the way you approach your day-to-day life. We are looking this evening at uh, this verse, um, which um, Richard sort of joked with me a few weeks ago and said, you know, you've just given you a very simple passage, lovely, easy-peasy, and it's not. But I think... You know, this verse has, and this, the passage that we've heard, has a lot to teach us about faith and our faith, how we, what we do with our faith, especially when things go wrong. Um, before we look at the verse, I would like to spend a few minutes just looking at the context. And I don't want to, you know, point out things that you already might know, Uh, But it is very, very important when we read scripture or we study scripture. It's so important to understand the the context. 
I, I mean, context is very important in, in real life as well. So, you know, just to give you a very uh, ex quick example, just picture the following conversation. Child comes into the room. Mommy, can I have a snack? No, sweetheart. It's nearly time for lunch. Child goes to find daddy. Daddy, I'm starving and mommy won't let me have a snack. Context. Very, very, very important. And this verse is taken from chapter 8 in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is just an amazing, amazing book. It's a theological masterpiece. You know, Paul had one of those brilliant, brilliant minds. He liked to split hairs. He didn't have a problem with complicated discussions and debates. And, you know, you would be on one hand is this, and on the other hand is this, and the third hand is different. And that's what the book of Romans is in, like in, in quite a few passages. But actually, it's also very, very, very practical. You know, if you want to understand and if you want a bit of a mirror of, on the struggles that we face trying to understand our faith and live it out, you know, read the book of Romans. Um, I'd like to sort of, you know, encourage you, if you haven't read it or you haven't, if you haven't read it recently, do have a read. It will really add depth to your faith and it will challenge your understanding. And in, like in one sentence, I would say that the book of Romans is about how to, un to understand how do you get right with God? How do you understand God's righteousness and how God's righteousness becomes your righteousness? You know, big concepts. And then the second one is how do you live a life full of the Spirit, a life of freedom? Um, and, and, and it's amazing. To narrow it down, in chapter 8, we have a picture of what life in the Spirit looks like. We, as Christians, have two amazing resources that God has made available to us. One of them is this. It's the Word of God. And the other resource and amazing of gift that we have been given is the Holy Spirit. And chapter 8 tells us what life in the Spirit is like. So first of all, there is no condemnation. There is freedom to choose the right way to live. There is freedom to, from fear and confidence in our identity. In verse 15, it says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought your adoption, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, or in other words, Daddy. There's also the ability to see beyond difficulties to future glory. We receive help in weakness. And it all rounds up, end of the chapter, we live a life of victory. We, are, we were not meant to survive. 
The Christian life is not a life of survival. The Christian life is a life of victory. We are more than conquerors. And that's the context of this verse. You know, and as we understand this context, we can now look at what, this, what God is trying to say through Paul to us through this verse. And I just want to share with you this evening, as I've been wrestling with this verse, you know, a few insights on what I think it's, um, it's saying. So my first point is, for we know God is at work in the life of those who love him. Knowledge is a powerful thing, but language can be misleading. One person could say that they know that God loves them. And if you've, you know, I, I grew up in a church, you know, ever since I was a toddler, I was told, Jesus loves you, you know, we know that. But at the same time, the same person might say, they do not know the love of God. We can know a lot of things about God and not know God. Often, when the Bible talks about knowing something, it just refers to a close and intimate knowledge that is steeped into personal experience. It's like a perfect encounter between head knowledge and personal experience. So, when Paul here affirms that we know God is at work, he is referring to a past experience. In other words, when things go wrong, we should remember our history with God. He hasn't changed. God is at work in our lives. And, and this works both on the individual level as well as the corporate level. God is for us. It is the reality we live in. We are adopted sons and daughters of the almighty, all-powerful God. We can call him Abba Father, close, intimate. He's not distant, indifferent, you know, he's not deity there that we need to appease and do a few good deeds to gain fa- favor. And the key, I think, to understanding this verse is the relational aspect of our faith. We know God is at work. We have an insight into his plan, and this knowledge, I believe that once you know God, will always, always, when you have an experience of God, will always lead to gratitude on our part and love. When head knowledge becomes experience, when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, our perception and our attitude just shifts. And I believe that, you know, we can't, we can't be indifferent anymore. We can't just be self-reliant or sit on the fence. For we know God is at work in the lives of 
those who love him. Knowing God will lead to loving God. And then my second point is, as you know God, God is at work in the life of those who love him. We know that in all things, God has a plan. Please note that it doesn't say that everything that happens to us or around us is God's plan. It's quite the opposite. You know, all you have to do is turn on the news and you will immediately be bombarded by pain and conflict and greed and sorrow. You know, we live in a broken world. You know, it started way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, exercising their free will, they made a devastating choice. Um, and in my opinion, that, that act of, of choice was the darkest point in human history. And ever since, humanity is, is trying, is trying to make the best of a fallen world. You know, in, in, in our society, you know, in our culture, in our lives, we, we see there's so much material possession, there's so much wealth, there are so many opportunities, yet... There's such loneliness and depression and sorrow. And for so many people, life just doesn't seem worth living. And that's why I think it's so important to have that intimate knowledge of God that we looked at. You know, I mentioned the Garden of Eden, and it is at that point that God started his big plan, you know, the big, the big plan, God's plan is to bring salvation. That's the big plan. That's the overarching story, you know, and the cross has marked victory, you know, the beginning of a new era, a new chapter in our history. It's, it's a very difficult concept to understand, and, you know, it's, you know, you can, I'm not going to use any difficult terms. It's a little bit like now, but not yet, you know. The victory has won. Jesus has defeated the enemy. He has come back to life. And, you know, now we all live in, you know, we know he's won, but it's not fully realized or fully complete. Um, And this tension it's quite difficult for us to understand. And quite often, a lot of our struggles and problems arise from the, this now and not yet. But when we become children of God, we know, we know that God's overarching plan for our life is to be saved. And this has practical implications. We, you know, we start to live a different kind of life. We have different priorities. We have different aspirations and values. It is what I described earlier, life in the spirit. And we can have full confidence in the big picture plan. But I also think that it's not, you know, Christian life is not, yes, we know we're saved. God is also interested in our day-to-day, in our small things, well, they're not small, really. 
And I think this verse confidently proclaims that God is an active presence in all things. In other words, God is in the business of taking broken pieces and putting them back together. And even in the most difficult places, God's presence can and does bring light. But I just want to sort of draw attention that sometimes there is a a gap in expectations between God's perspective on our life and our perspective on our life. God sees things through the lenses of eternity and significance and growth and becoming Christ-like. Those are God's lenses. And often, we as humans, we, we, we just try to minimize negative experiences. And although we know with confidence what God's big plan is, you are saved. You know where you're destined to be. Often it's difficult to discern how God brings the best out of our lives in the small details. When you lose your job, we are looking at secondary schools at the moment for for our daughter, you know, how to parent, how to make sense of a broken relationship, how to make sense of the loss of life. We know God is there and has a plan. And the invitation is to work with his spirit and discern and understand that plan. But we know we can place our trust in God because he is for us and his character is trustworthy. I, I am sure that, you know, as I look in, in, in the room, there's so many people that I, I, I respect and you have personal experiences and victories uh, we, 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 you know, where things were difficult, and, uh, you, and I've, my experience and my faith is limited. But I just want to share you something that's um, happened to me that has strengthened my faith. When um, growing up, I, I was blessed with very good health, you know, and I was very pleased about that because um, I, um, I had no hospital experience. I hardly got ill. Um, my sister seemed to be at the doctor's every other week, so I was, you know, quite smug about being healthy. Um, after my third year at university, I went to university in Romania, and I did a four-year degree. So after my third year, I came home, and I was absolutely exhausted, and I was just so looking forward to a you know, summer of fun, catching up with my friends, son. Uh, and on the second day home, I got the worst headache I had ever experienced in my life. I took painkillers. I, you know, lied in a darkened room. Um, nothing. Even took the edge. Then I started throwing up. And it just went from not to 60, just so rapid. And my mom, um, who's quite um, 
quite a sharp lady. She just basically put me in the car and we were in the hospital straight away. It's rushed through. They stuck a big needle in my spine to take some lovely fluids. Um, and I was on a very serious cocktail of antibiotics, intravenous antibiotics in no time. And it turned out that um, I had bacterial meningitis, which is pretty serious. And I remember lying on the hospital bed after a few days thinking, I'm not feeling any better. And just talking to God. And having this amazing peace about the life I had lived and the opportunities and the blessings and the people that had been in my life. And knowing that if I didn't get better, I knew where I was going. And that was okay. And that, to me, was an amazing defining moment in my faith. I'm not sure I would have the same peace now. There's too much to lose. I'm a mother and I'm a wife. Um, but that, to me, was an amazing experience with God. And I know God didn't want me to get meningitis. That wasn't his plan. But I know that things he got some good out of it. I did have, however, a rubbish summer. I couldn't have my beloved coffee for six months. Um, and actually, often, it was harder, the recovery and finding hope and light in the recovery in those months and weeks after that. Life goes wrong sometimes. Um, actually, I just think life often doesn't turn out the way we want it to turn out. And I don't know if you've heard this saying, you know, um, that people sometimes say, um, everything happens for a reason. You know, I have huge problems with this saying. I think, you know, it trivializes suffering and it just offers zero, zero hope. You know, there is no reason in cancer. There is no reason in child abuse or domestic violence, just to name a few. Uh, you know, I'm sure you, in your life, have encountered suffering that had no reason and no meaning. And I think God's heart breaks in every single of one of those situations. And it just reminds us that we live in a broken, broken world. You know, another way that people sometimes try to deal with when, when life goes wrong um, is, um, you know, saying, well, all you have to do is think positively, you know. If you think that your glass is half full, you will be half full. And, you know, I'm going to ignore any suffering that is not on my doorstep. And I'm going to try to, uh, you know, cut myself from anything that might challenge my um, worldview or upset me. And then I could cope. Faith. Knowing God. Putting your trust in God is the only answer when things go wrong. It's not denying that things are broken sometimes. 
It's not trying to pretend you're not suffering, but engaging with God and knowing he is there with you and for you. I don't know where you are at at the moment and what, what you are struggling with in your, in your life, um, whether things are good and if things are good, I would just try to encourage you to remember and reflect on your history with God. You know, all those victories, the moments when you trusted and God turned up and built your faith. And thank God for those moments. I don't know if maybe you've never put your faith in, you know, in, uh, maybe you, know, you, you believe God, that God exists, uh, but maybe you have never really trusted him. Because actually trust is hard. Trust is hard. It's giving up control and surrendering to God. And if you've never done it, and you are facing difficulties, and life is not what it should be. Can I just encourage you tonight to just let God in and see what happens? Or if you are struggling. And, I'll, and I'm, I, want to, I want to read that verse again, and I just want, as I read it, to just give you a bit of space to think of where you are at at the moment in your life. For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him have been called according to his purpose.